Hey everyone, it's Heather. I know you're here to listen to the podcast, but did you know I also offer all kinds of online consulting services? Stuff like webinars, book studies, curriculum training and consultation, and even companion activities for podcast episodes to use for staff development. If you're interested, you can check out my website at www.thatearlychildhoodnerd.com or you can email me at heather at thatearlychildhoodnerd.com. Thanks for listening. Grab your highlighters. Can't find them? They're probably right there in your pocket protector. It's time for that Early Childhood Nerd Podcast. Let's get nerdy. Here's Heather. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of That Early Childhood Nerd. I'm Heather Burnt Santi. Very, very, very happy to tell you that the guests today are the two pushy dames, Kathy Gallo and Luann Susie. Hey, did, Heather. I, did, did I say your name right, Lu- Leanne? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, this last name I meant. <laughs> oh, you did say. Okay. okay, good. Um, so uh, you've been on the show before and um, been been talking about coming back for a little while now. So I'm glad that uh, we're finally doing it. Um, we are too. Oh, good. Yeah. Um, and when you folks are watching the, the video of this, you can kind of see they both have alphabet shirts on, t-shirts on. And there we go. Thanks, Leanne. Oh, there's okay, right. baby. Yeah. <laughs> and our fabulous um, pandemic bodies to yeah, show. Yeah. Um, so we're going to talk about the letter of the week kind of practice that people use so often um, in the name of literacy and, um, and reading. So to start with our quote, um, this comes from a book called So Much More Than ABCs, The Early Phases of Reading and Writing by Judith Shigadance and Molly Collins, which we were talking pre-recording, we all use as a textbook mm-hmm. in, our, um, in, our, in some of our classes. Um, and the quote is this, the accurate naming of letters uh, rests on good letter discrimination, which requires active comparison of them. If children's exposure is restricted to one letter a week, opportunities to compare and contrast letters are reduced. So um, right there, there's one reason that letter of the week is not as effective as we want it to be or hope it will be um, because it's not how children learn. They need that comparison. And when we're just isolating and spending a whole week on one, they don't get that. Um, But so when you you two scheduled this with me, this was one of the topics you uh, suggested we talk about. So I want to let you guys talk about why that's important to you. Um, Mm -hmm. and and we'll just go from there. Yeah. Well, do you want me to start, Kath? Sure. One one of our big things, and the reason why we call ourselves the two pushy dames is because we feel that we need to push back on that academic push down. Mm -hmm. And I think what we're, we go in and out of programs, just like you do, Heather, all the time. And what we see in so many programs is letter of the week. And, you know, so much time is spent on teachers, you know, photocopying that sheet and spending the whole week talking about the letter B and trying to figure out how their, you know, their activities can relate to the letter B say. And, you know, when really there are so many better ways to teach children about letters, Mm -hmm. you know, and you talked about do the chicken dance. And, you know, one of the things she talks about is, you know, looking at you know, larger sound segments rather than just an individual letter. So like syllables and mm-hmm. talking, you know, introducing children to letters that way and, you know, helping them understand. And that's why we read books like Chicka Chicka Boom Boom and, you know, Llama Llama, you know, mm-hmm. because 
all those types of words, the rhyming is what is key, I think, for kids to starting to understand that. And we push them too much. You know, we're mm-hmm. expecting way too much for young kids. You know, we need to take a cue from Finland for sure. And I know yes. Kathy talk about Finland a lot, but you know, it's, it's just, it's crazy what we're doing to our young kids. You know, they need, we need to embrace the play piece. And also we need to embrace nursery rhymes and storytelling mm-hmm. and all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. I agree. And, and for me, I just think about poor Zoe and Zachary who have to wait 26 <laughs> weeks before their letter pops, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think about that a lot because, and there's a ton of research out on, on this. In fact, one of our friends and colleagues, um, Dr. Christina Cassano at Salem State University in Massachusetts, she um, co- co-wrote or co-edited a book about pivotal research in early literacy. And if, if you haven't read that in the bathtub yet, Heather, we can probably hook you up with a copy yeah, of that. Yeah, okay, perfect. I haven't. Yeah, we'll, so. we'll, we'll send you one. Yay. But um, there's a ton of research <laughs> out about it. And, and basically... Children don't learn letters in isolation. Children learn letters that are meaningful to them. Mm-hmm. And for Zoe and Zachary, the Z is going to be their most meaningful letter. And, you know, Adam and Abigail are going to check out after week one because B's and C's aren't, well, Abigail might be doing good because she's got the A and the B right out of the gate. But, <laughs> um, but if you think about it logically, um, taking 26 weeks to learn the alphabet is way too long. And in 26 weeks, if a child is even, you know, co- comprehending it all, um, they're not making connections. Half the school year is gone. I mean, there's only 52 weeks in a year and half of them are going to be spent on this. So some of the research would say that if you do, if you do teach letters in isolation, which we don't certainly recommend, you want to do it quicker. So maybe a letter a day or a couple of letters um, a day and make connections to them. And that way children get to see those letters in rotation many more times throughout the throughout the year rather than twice to go around, you know. And and we've seen, I'm sure you have too, you know, somehow it drops off around J or K or L because the teacher or the kids get bored with it or they're not sitting still. Or so I mean, some of these kids never get to see the end of the alphabet if it's a letter of the week kind of a a, a plan. And and we're not trying to bash anybody or make anybody feel like they need to go to confession or take the letters off the wall, just to think about it, Mm -hmm. you know, just to really think about it. Somebody probably did a great training years ago and said, let's do a letter a week. And everybody (laughs) said, oh, great. You know, that'll help me plan. Um, So, so we get that, but it's time to move on from that methodology. I think it, um, like so many things in push down uh, practice, it um, it gives you a quick visual. So people looking from the outside can say, oh, they are doing literacy because they've got this letter of the week. Um, and, you know, families get that receipt <laughs> for what, got what happened, as yeah. Lisa Murphy would say. Um, but it doesn't meet children where they are developmentally or address. So let's talk about, you know, three-year-olds are doing this and sometimes two-year-olds are doing this letter of the week. And um, I've got landscapers going. So I'm like, uh, they're going to be the lawnmower. And the, and we can't, the we can't. Hear okay, them. good. Um, they, they think, uh, you know, there's evidence to say that children who, who learn this letter, do this letter of the week thing can say four letters at the end of it or identify four letters, but we don't stop to think about whether that's what we should be doing 
at that age. And we skip so much foundational stuff that's harder to see or harder to, to prove to a, a family or an administrator that the learning is happening and that it's important for literacy. And I think that's why it's so persistent and people really hang on to it. Yes. Uh, because it's, it's measurable and everybody right. feels like the only thing that's valuable is what you can measure. We always, we keep talking about, you know, we keep hearing research-based, research-based. Well, guess what? A lot of the research that's out there is saying we should be letting children play and be mm -hmm. children, but where's that? You know yeah. what I mean? So it, it's really interesting, but again, it comes back to the data and we want to know how many children know how many letters, et cetera, when really that's not the important piece. It will come. It'll come, mm -hmm. it'll come organically as mm -hmm. well if you're doing the right things in the program. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it, the whole research based thing, you know, it kills us, um, you know, and there's that great research that came from the 80s that was talking about how if children knew nursery rhymes in the third grade, they showed better reading, uh, reading skills and writing skills, you know, their, their numbers were, were higher in the third grade. Yeah. And people with nursery rhymes, well, that's because they're rhyming and they're repeating things mm -hmm. and they're learning, you know, yeah. and you know, but that's, you know, we don't talk about that. Well, and I find that a lot of my college students, and even when I was in a classroom, I haven't, um, with, with toddlers, especially not so much because my preschool classroom was a language specific, um, clinic. So they knew the value of nursery rhymes, but, um, so many of my college students and so many of my coworkers in other center situations weren't familiar with nursery rhymes even anymore. I, yeah. I remember one of my, um, co-teachers, assistant teachers, whatever the word was, um, I had brought in, you know, the black and white checkered mother goose. Oh, uh, we all have the mother yeah. goose. Yes. And I brought yes. in a board book version of it. And um, she was really struggling to read it to the, the children and because it didn't make sense to her and she'd never heard it before. And it was just really eye-opening for me. Uh, you know, we've, the research from the eighties is still true, but we aren't, none of us know those nursery rhymes anymore. Exactly, exactly. But that's rich. And that's, mm -hmm. you know, the language in it is rich. The rhyming of it is rich and it's, it's valuable. But yeah. like I said, we're not, we're not paying attention to it yeah. anymore. Yeah. So well, I worry too about it. I mean, I'm just thinking about our silly t-shirts, you know, A, B, C. So if you look and there is a correlation between third grade reading level and alphabet knowledge in early years. There is a connection, but alphabet knowledge is, is more than, can you, can you caption that's an A, that's a B, that's a right. C. And a lot of kids would be able to say, oh, I know those letters, but they don't understand that LMNOP is five letters or six, right. I can't count them, but however right. many they are, you know, LMNOP is one thing. It's kind of like my child can count to 30, but they don't know whether two M&Ms is better than three or four mm -hmm. or, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. So a lot of it's rote, rote right. knowledge right. rather Just than syllable memorization. And, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And, yeah. and a lot of, um, a lot of what we see and also the research points to that the most effective way to really teach letters is with the meaningful letters, like mm -hmm. we talked about. And that means it needs to be individualized because every child in the room isn't named Heather who wants to start with an H, you know? Right. So Heather's, Heather's alphabet knowledge would be very different from Leanne's because uh -huh. your letters are different, but you yeah. share some letters. So, you know, teachers, and we always want to make a teacher's job easier. We don't want to burden you with anything more difficult. And 
if you could let go of some things, if you're doing letter of the week right now, or if your program is insisting on it, or, or you bought some curriculum that does letter of the week, really think about it and think about other ways. And there's millions, I mean, we could go through ways to do um, letter knowledge and alphabet knowledge and understanding, but mm-hmm. uh, the, the one at a time is just not the best way to do yeah. it. Yeah. I went and visited in a, it was a half day preschool. Um, and one of the little boys, of course, as I came in the room said, what's your name? And I said, my name is Heather. And he went like together. And I was like, like I had a whole full body response to the, that that's awesome. simple thing that he did that. And for me, I was like, that's so much more valuable than the zoophonics yeah. thing that you've got on the wall. Absolutely. That Absolutely. Cool. That's amazing. Yeah. That's so great. And again, the names, we know that the names are so important at such an early age. So, you know, if we want to think about literacy and we want to think about recognizing names, we need to do what, what Judy Chicken Dance talks about is that own name advantage. Like, what is my name? What is your name? So if you're holding up name tags and saying, you know, you can, you know, you, know, you can go line up or you can go to the table or whatever it is from group time. And if say, you know, you hold up hope and Heather, you're like oh my name yeah. and then the teacher say no your name is h-e this is h-o this is hope's name you know it's just all valuable because then you as heather are like oh okay i need to wait for the h-e so it's all just it's it's relevant it means something so as a as a preschool classroom you want to have the children's names everywhere you want to have them on rocks you want to have them when they walk into the classroom and and you know show up they might put it their rock with their name on it in a basket you know it might be you know in the writing center, everyone's name is there somewhere with their picture. So you, you want to write their name, you can, um, because that's meaningful. And we have, we, we're, we just keep pushing away meaningful learning for yeah. young kids. It's just so hard. Yeah. One of the see. most popular things that I had in um, the language preschool that I worked in, um, we had one of those, it was just a big marker board that sat on the floor, you know, for child size. And um, we used sentence strips and wrote every child's name on a sentence strip and laminated them and just put those in the tray with the markers. And um, that drew, we had a whole fancy writing area right next to it. But what they wanted was that, I mean, marker yep. boards are fun, but yeah. also um, the, they, the, their name and other children's names became important for them there. And I think that's the thing. You'll have children in every classroom who will know their name probably when they arrive, depending upon how old the kids are. And you'll have kids who know every other child's name too. You know, if you do the transition with name cards, there'll be one that you can always rely on to kick the kid or give them a little poke to say, hey, that's you, Bob, you know, go get your, go get your, your hands washed or whatever. Um, Those kids don't need the letter of the week. They know the letters, they understand them, they have meaning and value and, you know, they don't need that. So they're sitting there thinking, oh, here we go. And, and, And I think teachers, with a, with a curriculum that's kind of prescribed like that, do things as groups. And, you know, every child brings home their cue on cue yeah. week or whatever. And you know, those children don't need that. So yeah. they need better challenges and we need to help to build their knowledge and learning in a different way. So yeah. we're kind of wasting their time. Yeah, mm-hmm. speaking of the letter Q, did you guys see this week, the thing on Facebook where some school to teach that Q and, and U always go together had a wedding? Oh, Oh. and like a little boy dressed up like a groom and a little girl dressed up like a bride and like the teacher (laughs) conducting the ceremony and they had Q and U on the back of their clothes and they they did a wedding and it was great. And and that 
the teacher still employed and the vice principal who read the underwear book to kids got is fired. fired. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Well, there and, you go. And so I commented like this, I hope this is a joke. It's disgusting. And people were like, no, they do it at my school. They do it at my school. Like, so this is maybe a new oh my trend goodness. and I ugh, it made me sick, but anyway. Ugh. Oh, don't do that one either, I guess, listeners. Uh, <laughs> wow. Yeah. If you're marrying cues and use, please think yeah. of a different way to do that. Yes. Oh, my yeah. goodness. But some days I can get through without hearing horrible things like that. Yeah. I'm sorry that ruined, I brought that to you. You ruined it for me I'm today. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Thanks. Okay. Well, let, let's go in a different direction then. <laughs> We're just moving to Finland. Really? That's all. That's it. Out. We're out. Yeah. You know, it's um, funny too, Heather, because we, Kathy and I have talked about this and we're like, I wonder where it came from. And I get the idea that we want kids to know the letters and the sounds. Yeah. And I, I, something I was thinking about was, you know, you think about something like Sesame Street and Sesame Street is so prominent. And I know when I grew up on Sesame Street and I would watch it every week, but Sesame Street brings you, you know, every show is brought to you by the letter H. Mm -hmm. And I always wonder if that had an effect on, you know, early childhood teachers and how, and what they teach. Oh, sure. Practice because they still do it. You know, today's show is, you know, is brought to you by the letter M, whatever. So I always wonder if that had an effect on letter of the week and how we teach children. I don't know. It was just that, something. That would so make prominent. sense. Yeah. I always wonder, like there had to be a first person who did this stuff and then it just spreads. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of like the first person who said timeout is better than spanking kids. Yes. So everybody said, you're right. Timeout. Let's do timeout. Timeout's the best thing in the world now. Yeah. Uh, and luckily somebody else came along and said, hey, yeah, not so much. Let's redirect kids. But yeah. we go through these ebbs and flows in the field and, and, I'm old. Leanne's not as old as me, but I've been around long enough to know that there are lots of ups and downs and ebbs and flows and adjustments. But letter of the week has been a lingerer. You know, uh-huh. I we still see it an awful yeah. lot. And oh, it yeah. it is a little concerning. I yeah. think it's time to get the word out that there yeah. are better ways. I, I think that one of the other things that keeps us hanging on to letter of the week is um, turnover. In, in our in our fields and the uneven teacher qualifications and um so this is not me saying that everybody has to have a bachelor's degree to know how to do this if you listen to last <laughs> to the episode Richard and, I, and Liz and I did about this a few weeks ago but um but I do think that because we have generally in early childhood programs about a 40 before COVID even about a 40 percent turnover rate annually that's a lot of retraining and onboarding and and teaching and training to do for new teachers. But if we just have this, oh, we yeah. do letter of the week, um, then it. we can pass that on. And I right. I don't know that that's an easy fix, but I think it's something that has to be part of the conversation. Um, well, you know, maybe in our lifetime, we'll see that the easier thing to help all new teachers learn is let children play in yeah. a rich, you know, rich environment that's filled with appropriate materials for children and teachers serve as, you know, observers and facilitators and documenters and promoters of, of learning that way, yeah. that would be pretty awesome. And not relying on the letter of the week or the handwriting without tears and sorry. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of things that people say, oh, this must be what I should do. You know, uh-huh. this must be what parents, and it a lot of it is what parents want. Uh-huh. But I think we need to educate parents right. at the same time Absolutely. to say, you know, the play-based research is where we all need to be and forget about all the other things. You know, the common core pressure on kindergarten teachers, 
pushes down to preschool teachers, pushes down to toddler teachers, and it's highly concerning. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm a firm believer that um, change in the direction of play is in the hands of the families. Like that's where the power is. If we can let families know, because they come in and they ask for, um, what do you, you know, how are you getting ready to read or whatever, or how do you get yep. them ready for school? Yep. And they're doing that as good intentioned advocates for their child's academic success based 100%. on the information they have. So it's, but the information they have is faulty because they've been marketed to since before their children were born. Yep. And um, so if we, if we could educate parents and that phrase makes me cringe a little bit sometimes, but in this case, if we could, if we could show them other ways um, of, of children learning, um, I think that would have a much bigger impact, but also we have the same teacher who says, well, parents want these letter of the week worksheets or crafts. If right. that parent came and said, um, I want you to put Tabasco sauce on their mouth when they bite, we would exactly. be like, oh, no, we can't do that. Heaven forbid. So yeah. I, I, I think that sometimes teachers rely on that when really it's the teacher who wants to still hang on to it. <laughs> Kathy was talking, we were talking to a group of parents once, and, you know, Kathy pointed out because the parents were really mad that the, the you know, the program was going in the direction of play. Uh -huh. and, you know, and Kathy just said, you need to learn to trust your, your teachers here. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I trust you if you work at Target to check me out correctly and to do inventory and, mm -hmm. you know, do your job. And if you're a lawyer, I trust you to go and litigate for me. You know, you need to trust your teachers. And, you know, it, it was powerful what she said to the, um, to the parents at that training. I'm um, glad you said powerful because I was really mad. <laughs> I was so angry at them because they were mistreating the teachers that oh. we loved. Love, you know, and respect. So yeah. anyway, that was not my finest moment. But, but, no, um, but we also, we tend to tell our teachers too, did the parents know how many trainings you go to? Do, you know, let them know, let them know what the training was, give them some information on it. And if, even if they don't read it, at least they know mm -hmm. that you're educated and you, you're taking all these trainings and you're getting all, parents have no clue how many, yeah. you know, professional development trainings, because so many how would they? go to. It, right. So we're always like, you know, send it home in a newsletter. I did a training this week on this. Or I, I got my CDA or I did this or I did that. You know, I just took a, my first college course, whatever it is, and then let them know what you learned from that, you know, training or course, because I think that it builds some sort of a respect there, I guess, because I think parents still do believe, oh, they're just a babysitter kind of thing. And, you know, parents are paying a lot of money, talk about receipts and they want something in return. Right. So it's, right. I think if we look at family engagement, um, uh, well, back to letter of the week, if you will, mm -hmm. if the if the teacher has the time and the ability or the program um, director or owner to say, you know, this is why we don't do letter of the week, mm -hmm. or this is what we do instead that is building your child's literacy skills and alphabet knowledge. And, um, you know, when you read those fairy tales and you bring the Mother Goose board book in mm -hmm. to send something home or to put it in the app or the communication device that says, you know, we worked on this today and this is why it's important and we're building those skills. And yeah. we always, it's not a joke, but every time a child is using Play-Doh, that's a pre-writing skill, yes. you know, I mean, it, climbing up not, the slide is a pre-writing exactly. skill. Hello. <laughs> yeah, We've exactly. been talking a lot about big body play. And if you yeah. don't have your core developed, you can't, you can't have your fingers ready to go yet. You know, it's just phys physically, they're unable to do that. Yeah. Um, but it's just, I mean, for kid, letter of the week is kind of outdated as a practice. And I think if we let families know, 
this really is an outdated practice and we're cutting edge here. And, you know, we believe in the best research available and this is what it tells us. We, we can make a huge difference. Yeah. The problem is program people and teachers are cooked. Everybody's exhausted, yeah. you know, between COVID and the turnover and our field in general, it's, you know, it's like one extra thing to do and kind yeah. of sticking with the old way or the way we've always done things is, yeah. is a little bit easier sometimes. So we get that. When I taught my um, emerging literacy class last semester, I had so much, I, it was a new assignment that I tried and I had so much fun with it. Um, but every, every class, we would talk about a different element of emerging literacy, not reading instruction, mm -hmm. but emerging literacy from birth to five. We would talk about a different aspect. And their assignment every week was, imagine a parent has asked you, um, what do you do to teach them to read or what do you, you know, and then based on today's discussion, write your answer. And then the final assignment was to put all that together into like a, a flyer for families that answered the question, how do you get them ready? And it was so much fun. And I think it was really a different way of engaging the students who a lot of them come and are already working in programs that are maybe doing letter of the week or zoophonics or, you know, whatever it might be. And um, I can't wait to do it again. That was, there's nothing out that other than I liked it. <laughs> that's a, that's so, the only thing you know I'm contributing. That is here. a meaningful <laughs> assignment I, because I really that's a that. missing link. Mm -hmm. I think if, if, if educators felt empowered and had the words and, and the ability to say, you know, we do finger painting instead of a penguin because blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And then parents are going to say, wow. I didn't know that because family members have other jobs, you know, unless you're an early educator, you don't know what the early education system <laughs> yeah. is like. So, yeah. so it's, 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 that's exactly what they need. We see it all the time. Mm -hmm. yeah. Even on the CDA um, parent questionnaire, mm -hmm. when I sit down with, with um, my students who are going through the process, the, so many parents will check off a one or a two for the, the sentence that says, um, the assessment piece that says, um, teaches my child pre-reading and pre-writing skills. Uh, and they'll, they'll give them a one or a two there. Uh -huh. And I say to them, you know, well, do, do you do that? And they'll say, oh yeah, every day. And I say, right, but the parents don't know that. Mm -hmm. So how, how are you moving forward going to let the parents understand that you're doing pre-reading and pre-writing? Because mm -hmm. they obviously don't understand that yet. And they'll say, oh, okay, I get it. Yep. Mm -hmm. and, so, I, and so it's part of that process of them understanding the importance of letting the parents know. Yeah. Yeah. So if we want to think about what teachers and families can do mm -hmm. to help support alphabet yes. knowledge. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> language and literacy skills, right? <laughs> Here's your segue, Heather, right? Yep. Uh, but, but well, we could get off on tangents for, uh -huh. you know, we'll see, we'll, we'll be here all weekend with you. Um, but, you know, having a, having a writing center, t showing lots of writing examples, we already talked about names and I think letter rocks are awesome. I always have them in my office where I'll have an uppercase A on one side and a lowercase A on the other side of the rock, just rocks I find at the beach with a Sharpie or a, or a paint pen mm -hmm. and they disappear because every child who comes to visit me takes their name. Uh -huh. It's always their name that they take. So I have a lot of vowels and, you know, common letters in there that I have to re reprint, but, you know, things like that and reading, 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 and, you know, writing things down with children, doing charts, doing graphs. And I worry about reading at home yeah. just because again, I'm old. You know, my dad read the newspaper every night. And I remember kind of climbing under the newspaper and saying, 
do you read every one of those letters? And that's a lot of words to read. And But I remember just looking at yeah. the headlines with him, you know, um, we had magazines in our house. We had books in our house. Nowadays, everybody's reading is on their phone or yeah. their tablet. And that's another whole discussion. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I worry about that. Do kids see enough writing and reading? Do people write a grocery list anymore? You know, do people write things down at home or even have paper and pens available? Mm-hmm. And, and that's, you know, I think we're in a different era and alphabet knowledge and understanding and, you know, phonological awareness and phonemic awareness mm-hmm. are probably going to take longer than perhaps they did years and years yeah. ago. So yeah, I don't know what you think, Leanne, but that's no, I, what I, I think. Excellent. Well said. Well said. You know, sing, read, yes. write, sing silly songs, you know, things that run, all those kinds of things that teachers do every day. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the actual letter that you cut out and have the kids glue the pom-poms on the P, yeah. you know, you don't have to do those things. And um, yeah, don't the other thing, the other thing we should yeah, probably and don't. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I know. Um, you know, the alphabet freezes that we buy for our classrooms where they have the upper and the lowercase letter kind of right next to each other, yeah. strung across the usually the ceiling. Um, <laughs> maybe rethink that. And maybe the whole class can work on some meaningful letters or maybe they make letters with sticks out on the playground or, you know, they're writing letters in the sand or with chalk and things like that, because those alphabet freezes are confusing for little kids. They don't understand that the uppercase and the lowercase are two distinct letters. They think they connect together. If you think about the pre-operational thinker and and young children. So um, I think sometimes teachers are set up to think this is what I need in my classroom and this is what I need to do. And we need to give them the power to say, you can do things differently. Right. Yeah. And so so much of what we put on the walls in the name of alphabet learning um, or literacy, whatever you want to call it, just contributes to the visual clutter that we now have research that says that's really um, interferes more for children than it helps. Absolutely. We talk about that all the time. And I won't say the store, but I always say it looks like this store threw up in this classroom. (laughs) you know? Yes. Yes. Uh, Yeah. Hmm. (laughs) I know. Yeah. So, so if you, if someone is listening, um, and has been doing letter of the week and wants to sort of move away from it, what would be, what are some baby step recommendations? You've talked about, we talked about a few things that are like concrete steps they could take, but what, how would you advise someone who said, okay, I want to do it, but how do I do it? Or what do I do first? Yeah. I think the, there's a book out um, no more teaching letter a week. And it's just a very thin book. And I think it's, it's a great first step to just take a look. Yeah, at the, the authors of that book are, um, well, he's since passed away, the late Bill Teal, T-E-A-L-E, and Rebecca McKay, M-C-K-A-Y. And we buy that book for programs sometimes and send oh, it yeah? to them. Um, it's a quick read, uh-huh. but there's a lot of research. And then there's some practical steps in the book itself. Mm-hmm. So go ahead, Leanne. I'm sorry I butted in on you. No, that's great. I think that book is great only because it's a quick read. It's easy and you know, it's there's not a lot in there mm-hmm. for, for someone to have to absorb. And then I think just recognizing that, you know, children learn letters just by being around them. So the print-rich environment, talking about, you know, the words, having a poem maybe on a chart paper and reading it across, and you know, the rhyming of words, the syllables, maybe you 
you do something like, you know, Heather, you know, mm-hmm. you talk about this and you, maybe there's a new word, dinosaur, you know, you <laughs> kind of clap it out for the syllables. So they start to understand how words have syllables. Right. But I think just being a print rich environment is, is really important. Children's names and recognizing them are important and read it. Like we, Kathy said earlier, read, 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 read. I think mm-hmm. that's so important. Yeah. Build so many skills. Yeah. Yeah. And I would say, don't pull your remaining letters down off the wall. You know, if you're in the midst of letter of the week, this is April, so you're probably closing in on finishing down. up. But, you know, don't miss the X, Y, and Z. If, if this is something you've done, don't pull them down just because we we said, you know, it's outdated and not really effective. Mm-hmm. Um, think about it. Think about it for next year. You know, think about it in different ways and, and ask the kids about it. You know, sometimes you'll say, oh, tell me what you learned about that letter. And they, they just don't have a clue about it. Right. So you can tell it's not as meaningful as it might be. Yeah. And then, you know, things you're already doing, hiding letters out in the sandbox outside and letting the kids find them with a paintbrush, you know, mm-hmm. putting them in your water table, having them having letter games for them to play while they're waiting for their turn in the bathroom or, you know, talking to them and, and saying, just like Leanne said about the name cards, you know, oh, H-O is for hope and H-E is for Heather. All of those conversations are are really important. And then I would just say, let kids scribble, let them doodle, you know, let them use, I I read someplace that there are like 40 distinct shapes that are in the alphabet to to write uh the the Uh English alphabet. Um, And that's a lot for kids to to be able to do. So, you know, be mindful about that, that they're just not ready yet. And Mm -hmm. And they will be ready for kindergarten. If yeah. they're socially, emotionally and aware and they have self-help skills, they will be ready for kindergarten and letter knowledge will come very like quickly mm-hmm. when the time is right. Yeah. So much of it comes organically. It just comes naturally. And Heather, I'm going to tell you a secret about Kathy. Oh, Kathy, God. <laughs> Kathy not, yeah, isn't this awesome? <laughs> Kathy did not go to preschool. I did not. And she did not go to kindergarten. Oh, and I did not. She does know her letters. And wow, so, that's that impressive. Yeah, that is impressive. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. So Exhibit A. Pretty well. And my handwriting's not bad. So yeah. there you go. You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, well, and so my son taught himself to read without me even knowing it and could read before kindergarten. Like I was just laying in bed reading one night and he looked over my shoulder and started to point out some words to me. And then my youngest, it was the end of first grade and they were really convinced they'd never learned to read, you know, and so they, they had similar experiences at home and mm-hmm. a, a, a print rich environment at home. And we were readers yeah. and all that stuff. But for the two of them, it really had such an individual variation that it was, it was important. So uh, I'll just, I guess, wind down with a story. We used to play a word search game in the, in the preschool. And I would usually it was tight. Like we'd read the same story every morning. And then we have a few words that we wanted to highlight through the week you know so um I don't remember what the book was but the word we were highlighting was stuck and we would hide letters written on index cards around the room and then the word itself was in index cards already on it so it was like a a find and match kind of a game love it and uh (laughs) nobody could find the t so it just said suck right above it and they remembered it too right yes yes. (laughs) that's awesome that's perfect I love it very exciting when you you hook an emotion to the learning it's so much deeper (laughs) 
You're absolutely right. And you know what? All of those kids will remember suck and stuck because of that experience. So that's great. It had meaning. Oh my goodness. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, this was so great and fun. Thank you both for being on. Look forward to talking to you again in a few weeks, I think is when we're when we're going to do another one. Um, Yeah. And thanks everybody for listening. Hope you'll come back again next week for another episode and uh, we'll see you then. And that's the show. Now go get your nerd on. This has been an Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio production. Oh.